Good morning. I was joking with uh, Jim before service and saying that the entirety of my sermon is about how long Kurt takes to warm up. So uh, don't worry, today you will definitely be able to beat the Baptists to whatever restaurant that you are going to. Yeah. My family has always been the type of family, whether for birthdays or for Christmas or even just in general, um, to write wish lists. I remember for the longest time, my dad had a long list of things he wanted to get for his shop, a new table saw, you know, those sorts of things. And for a long time as well, I had a, a list of things on my Amazon account of, of purchases I wanted to make. And I remember when I was a little kid, one particular list I wrote, I took one piece of notebook paper and I made sure to fill the front and the back of all these things that I thought I wanted and needed, and I took it to my mom, and I was just reading them off. I was like, oh, I want a G.I. Joe, and I want a Millennium Falcon Lego set, I want some baseball cards, and she just calmly interrupted me and said, I want, I want, I want, I want. Contentment is something that many of us desire, but not many of us truly achieve. We try our hardest to be happy in the job that we have or the things that are in our house or the things that we can attain. We try to find contentment in a lot of areas, but today I would like to talk to you about being content in your financial situation. When Kurt asked me to do this, I inwardly groaned because this is still somewhat of a fresh wound for me. I graduated college without a whole lot of money and The jobs that I had leading up to this one didn't win me a whole lot of cash either, and I remember multiple instances of complaining to my girlfriend or my parents, saying, I'm just tired of not having enough money. And some of you, I'm sure, have at one point or another, or maybe even right now, are identifying with that statement. You might be wondering if you'll have enough to fix that project around your house, or you might be wondering if you'll be able to pay your bills this month or if you're even going to eat today. Some of you might be a little more comfortable than that, where you don't necessarily have to worry about your finances, but you still do. You really like that boat that your neighbor just got, or you're thinking of that dream vacation to Europe or some other far-off land, or you're just setting back more of a nest egg for your retirement. Wherever you find yourself, I think we can all identify with the thought of not having enough money. Wherever you are on that spectrum, at either place that you find yourself, please heed the words that were given to me today because as followers of Christ, it is important that we follow what Scripture tells us about our finances. As Kurt said in past weeks, the Bible talks more about finances than prayer and faith combined, but for some reason, we don't really like to listen about those parts of the Bible that talk about our finances because let's be honest, our money's private. I don't want to tell anybody what it is that I make every year because it would be a little gauche. We don't really want to tell people what's on the dotted line of our paycheck because it would be a bit tacky. But they are going to see by how we spend it in the clothes we wear, in the cars we drive, the house we live in and how we decorate it. We believe the more things that we have, the better off we will be. And I think there are three lies that we tell ourselves about our finances 
And I would like to bring those to your attention today as well as three opposite truths. The first lie that we tell ourselves is that we believe money will make us happy. (laughs) And I'm guilty of this. I've had multiple instances where I've sat down and tried to figure out what my life would look like if I won the lottery. What would I do with all that money? How would I spend it? What type of things would I buy? How could I make my life better with all that dough? And it was the, the great comedian, Jim Carrey, who said, I wish everyone would get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they could see that it is not the answer. And I don't know if Carrey is a man of faith at all, but he spoke some serious truth here because he's so very right. The more things that we covet and desire and buy, the less content we are going to be. Because there's always going to be more things for us to buy, more things for us to think of, more things for us to want. And that's what Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 15. He warns us, take care and be on guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Going even further into the New Testament, we are warned by Paul in the first letter to Timothy that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He explains that it is this way that the people who have desired to be rich have wandered away from the faith because their money was too much of a focus. I believe that can still be true today. Our money and our financial situation can hold us back from God. We even see a tangible example of this in the the book of Mark, another one of the Gospels in the story of this rich young man who comes to Jesus. And he asks Jesus the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him about following the Ten Commandments, to which the young man answers, I've kept this since I was a young boy, which is nigh impossible, so that's quite a feat. And Jesus' last command to this, this man hits him where it hurts, right in his pocketbook tells him to take all of his possessions and sell them and give the money away to the poor. And the young man goes away sorrowful because he had a lot of money and he had a lot of things. And I don't know about you, but I've often asked myself the question, is my money and are my things holding me back from growing? A man once came to visit Robert Hall, a famous English preacher, to discuss a statement that he had made in one of his sermons. And after talking with the man for a while, the preacher, Hall, realized that this man was in bondage of the love of money. And after sizing him up, he, Hall took out a small coin from his pocket and he opened up his scripture and he pointed out the word God. And he asked the man, can you see this word? And the man said, well, certainly I can see it. It's right there on the page. And Hall calmly placed the coin over the word and said, can you see it now? And obviously the man has no need to answer. It's an unforgettable lesson that even the face of God can be hidden from his people because of money. In all reality, instead of making us happy, money and things make us miserable because we are never going to be satisfied with the things we have. 
our consumerism, it runs rampant. We want the, the next iPhone or a nicer car, the better house, and it won't ever be enough. So I will say this to you now. The only thing that will ever be enough for you, the only one who will ever be able to satisfy you is God. That's it. He's the only one. I believe we spend far too much time chasing the almighty dollar and we should spend far, far more time chasing the almighty Father. He is the savior. He is the sustainer and the giver of life to the full. More things and more money will not satisfy you. God will. The second lie that we tell ourselves is that we can't trust God with our finances. We think we are better off figuring out our finances and how to dole them out by ourselves. This one is another one for sure that I have issue with. I don't always like to ask for help in personal situations. The prideful attitude of wanting God and others to think I have it all together doesn't always help me when it comes to asking him for help with my finances. But if I am honest, the plans that I usually make don't always work so well because I usually have a different idea, different timeline, and a different way to accomplish that idea than God does. I can worry myself sick thinking about how I'm going to pay my bills and have a social life and get all the things I think I need and all of that would be much better off being given to my Heavenly Father and letting Him handle it. So if I'm worried if, about how I'm going to make ends meet or about having enough money to move into that new living space or if I'm stressing hard about getting that life-size R2-D2 that I've always wanted, <laughs> no matter what the financial stressor is, it is better off being given to our Lord. <laughs> And Jesus tells us this in Matthew 6. He says we shouldn't worry about what we need or how we're going to attain our needs or the things that we think we need. God feeds the birds of the air and he clothes the lilies of the field. He is most certainly going to clothe us and feed us and give us everything we need. It just takes a little bit of trust. A man was once being led by a guide over a dangerous alpine trail and after a while they came to a spot where this great rock, it jutted out over the pathway, this precipice, leaving only a fragment of a trail for them to cross over on. And the guide grabbed hold of the rock with one hand and laid down his hand over the rest of the trail, creating an avenue for this man to cross in safety. And the guide tells the man, go ahead and cross now, it's, it's okay. And the man obviously hesitated. I think I would in that situation as well. He was afraid but the guide told him, don't be afraid, do not fear to stand on this hand because that hand has never yet lost a man. And it is the same with our Lord. If you are wary about trusting him, take comfort in the fact that the pierced hands of Jesus have never yet lost anyone who took his hand and put their trust in him. I know that it is hard to trust God in general and I know that trusting God with our finances can be like navigating an abyss, much like the one that I just mentioned. One false move and you're sent into destruction. But God has not yet and will not lead you astray. And that includes your financial safety. Trust him 
because he will take care of you. So we have learned that the first lie we tell ourselves is that money will make us happy with the opposite truth that God is the only one who can satisfy us. Secondly, we've learned that trusting God with our financial situation is hard, but that it is better off when we entrust it to him. The third and last lie that we tell ourselves is that money brings security. We need as much of it as we can get because we don't know what might happen. We might have unexpected medical bills or impromptu trips we need to make or other expenses that just come out of the blue and we can't predict the future so we need to be prepared. Now, this isn't to say that we shouldn't be careful with our finances in case something like this does happen, but it should not be our sole fixation. We shouldn't put more trust in ourselves and in our money and in our things than we do in our Heavenly Father. We might want to have a lot of money set back in case of emergency. We might like to have more things or more possessions because it shows everyone else and God that we are not in financial struggle. And deep down, we might like to trust ourselves and our money more than God because it's a lot less ambiguous. But that is not where we should be, church, because life is short. James 4, it tells us that life is like a vapor. It's a mist that is gone incredibly quickly. And if my life is short, I would rather not put my security and hope in things that are going to pass away with the rest of the mist. Because I've never seen a, a hearse, excuse me, I've never seen a hearse pulling a trailer of possessions behind it. So if you can't take it with you, why put so much stock in it now? Our hope should be built on nothing less than Jesus because the only true security you have is where you're going to spend your eternity. When we put our hope in him, everything else falls into place. The director of a medical clinic told of a terminally ill young man who came in for his usual treatment and a new doctor on the ward rather casually and cruelly said to this young man, you know, don't you, that you won't live out the year? And obviously, this young man was crushed, and as he was leaving, he stopped by the director's desk and just wept. He said, that man took away my hope. I suppose he did, replied the director. Maybe it is time to find a new one. In commenting on this incident, a man named Louis Smeeds wrote, is there a hope when hope is taken away? Is there hope when the situation is hopeless? That question leads us to a Christian hope, for in the Bible, hope is no longer a passion for the possible. It becomes a passion for the promise. I can get caught up in who owns what, what new thing I can buy, or how much I made last year, but none of that matters. The only thing that truly matters is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The only thing that truly matters is that Jesus, the Son of God, became flesh and dwelt with us and in dying on the cross, dealt with our sin. In doing so, he provided an avenue to the hope of a glorious eternity through his sacrifice and his grace. My family, as it is, still happens to be a wish list family. 
But if you looked at our wish list today, you might find two to three things on it. It's much smaller than it used to be. We don't put much stock in what it is we can attain or what things we have in our house. Our focus is how we can spend our time with each other and with our Lord because we know where our hope is. So church, let us put our hope in him because his sacrifice has dealt with our sin. We are free from our bondage of sin and no longer tied to the things of this world. Let us put our security in his endless grace, which cherishes us and keeps us close to him. We are able to cling to him and be encouraged of our place in his kingdom. Finally, let us be content in the eternity that he offers us and the treasures that we lay up therein. Let us pray. God, thank you for choosing us and thank you for keeping us. Thank you for making us new. I pray, Lord, that we would be content with the things that you give us and that our soul fixation would be on you, God. Continue to take care of us as we continue to trust you as you do so. We love you and we praise you. In your name, amen.